This morning we're going to continue with our studies in 1 Peter. We're in chapter 4. We're looking at three verses there, verses 4 through to 6. Perhaps you'd like to turn to that now. 1 Peter chapter 4. The title of my sermon is Jesus is ready to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is ready to judge the living and the dead. I'm going to read those verses for you now. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 through to 6. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them, to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Last week we looked at the first four verses of 1 Peter chapter 4 and I pointed out that uh, this was not the first time that Peter had talked about the death and the suffering of Jesus. The first four verses of chapter 4 are about the death or at least in part about the death and suffering of Jesus but Peter had spoken about that subject before. For example, in chapter 2, verse 21, Peter had already spoken about the suffering of Jesus in terms of it being an example for Christians who will inevitably suffer the reproach of Christ, perhaps suffering even unto death. However, in chapter 4, the suffering unto death of Jesus, as it applies to Christians, was considered in terms of Christians being crucified with Christ, being raised up in newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ and living the rest of their time doing the will of God. In other words, living soberly, righteously, godly in this present world with the Holy Spirit working in them to do God's will. We finish by reading verse 4 and looking at the attitude of ungodly people towards those who belong to Jesus and who seek to do the will of God, who seek to walk in the Spirit rather than fulfilling the lust of the flesh. As Peter said in verse 4 of chapter 4, they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. I didn't get beyond saying that the that you, dear Christian, are blessed. You really are blessed if people think it's strange and they speak evil of you for no other reason than because you are fulfilling, or rather not fulfilling, the lust of the flesh. But rather you are doing the will of God. Today we shall consider that even further. 
for one thing, you can think of doing the will of God instead of fulfilling the lust of the flesh and also suffering for Christ's sake together. One thing leads to another, doesn't it? If you are someone who has been crucified with Christ, you've been raised up to newness of life, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, earnestly desiring to do the will of God, then you can expect people to think it's strange and to speak evil of you. The suffering and the doing the will of God, they really do come together. And they are to be considered as twin blessings. You are blessed if you do the will of God and, or at least you desire to do the will of God. And you are blessed if people think it's strange and speak evil of you. Keeping it in mind that doing the will of God leads to persecution, we shall now look at verse 4 again, and also verse 5, where it is written, Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Those who think it's strange and they speak evil of Christians who do the will of God shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. Obviously, Peter was looking ahead to the day of judgment when the Lord Jesus Christ will judge everyone who has ever lived. And that is why he referred to the quick. The quick is the living which refers to all who will still be alive in this world when Jesus comes again in judgment. And he referred to the dead, which refers to everyone throughout history who has died. So in other words, everyone who has ever lived will face the judgment of God. Christians need not imagine that they will not be required to attend that final judgment. They will. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. In that statement about the judgment to come, Paul was speaking to Christians and he included himself, didn't he? He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. When that day comes, all who shall receive from Jesus their heavenly inheritance, the ones who have done good, or in, in by God's verdict they've done good, and by that is meant that they have trusted in Jesus as repentant sinners. Born-again Christians, in other words, they won't so much be judged, but rather they will be declared by Jesus to have loved even the least of the brethren with a God-given love for Christ. That will be their motivation for doing what they do 
compassionate concern, um, a practical concern for the brethren, for other Christians, out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. As if when they do whatever they do for the least of the brethren, they're doing it for Jesus. That's something that comes from the heart. It's not something that you can do for yourself. Many people in this world, they do good things. Many people who are not Christians do much nicer things than me. Things that I don't even think of doing or don't particularly want to do. But you've got to look at the motivation, why they're doing these things. On the day of judgment, those who will receive their in, their eternal heavenly inheritance will be people who have, having trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, have done the will of God. In other words, they've done what they've done out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> However, coming back to verse 5, Peter was not referring to Christians there. Far from it. He was referring to the people in verse 4. People who think it's strange that Christians do not do the evils that they do and they speak evil of them. When Jesus comes again, they will be judged for their sins and for their persecution of Christians. Jesus will judge them with a holy and a righteous judgment. Their sins will be laid bare, including their blasphemies and their persecution of the church. We'll move on to verse 6. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon on water baptism, and we looked at chapter 3, verse 21, where Peter, having already spoken about Noah and his family being saved in or through water, said, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At that time, I said that there were various interpretations of that verse. Well, the verse that we're looking at now, chapter 4 and verse 6, is another one of those verses of Scripture that is understood in a variety of ways. For example, there are those whose understanding of verse 6 is such that they make a case for the gospel being preached to souls who never heard it when they were alive in the world and they're now in hell. However, the problem with that is that the Bible does not teach that salvation is available to those who die in their sins and later come to repentance and faith in Jesus and his gospel when they hear it preached in hell. Rather, it is written in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Then there are those who believe that another chance is given to souls who 
heard the gospel when they were alive in the world, but they rejected it. However, once again, the Bible does not teach that salvation is available to those who repent of their sins and believe the gospel being preached to them in hell. There are those who think that verse in verse 6, Peter was talking about the gospel being preached to people who are still in the world, but they are still dead in their sins, which is the state of everyone who has not come to faith in Jesus, dead in trespasses and sins. That includes all the billions billions of religious people in the world who seem to think that they are spiritual. They're not trusting in Jesus, the Son of God. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. However, in the previous verse, in verse 5, Peter was clearly talking about people who are dead in terms of them being physically dead. And there is no reason to presume that his meaning of dead has changed in verse 6 from physically dead to spiritually dead. So, what are we left with? The explanation for verse 6 that seems to me to be the most scriptural and also the most agreeable with the context of the passage is that it is a reference to Christians. In other words, people who have heard and believe the gospel of Christ. They've been saved from their sins by the grace of God. They have lived the rest of their time in this world, not doing the lusts of men, but rather doing the will of God by the grace of God. And when those people suffer at the hands of wicked men who thought their conduct strange, they were in a sense being judged and punished by those people who thought them strange and who um, said evil about them. However, even in death, They live everlastingly according to God in the Spirit. That is a glorious truth and blessing of salvation that as Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. This is a wonderful truth of the scripture that if you're a Christian, you really need to understand this. If, if you are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, you have everlasting life. What's that verse of scripture that everyone seems to know? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is how it is for the Christian. He has everlasting life. And uh, John chapter 10, the, the, the chapter about Jesus being the good shepherd, what does he say there? My, I give my sheep um, 
everlasting life. They shall never perish. That's wonderful, that is. And that follows that when you, dear Christian, when you die, for whatever reason, even if it's persecution unto death, I say even if, that's a great blessing in a sense if you're a Christian. If you're going to die anyway, why not die as a result of being doing the will of God? People thinking that's strange and punishing you. Why? Because you are following Jesus. But in life and in death, you have spiritual everlasting life. A wonderful thing that is. Praise God for that. So we read in verse 6 there, For this cause was the gospel preached also unto them that are dead. This is Christians. They've they've heard the gospel when they are in the world. They believed it. They're now dead. That they might be judged according to men. When they... Judged in the world according to men, these people who think them strange in the things they do, but live according to God in the Spirit. They live according to God in the Spirit, whether they're in this world or not, and forevermore living in the Spirit in Christ. When Jesus shall come again in judgment, all the ill treatment and judgment that has been meted out to the elect of God by the enemies of Christ will be well and truly overturned. When Jesus shall say to his redeemed, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. As for the others, as for those who think it's strange when they watch Christians, what they do, and they speak evil of them. He will say to them, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. To sum up, that has been, to sum up what has been considered today, the day will come when the Lord Jesus Christ will judge everyone who has ever lived. Make no Be in no doubt about that. On that day, those who have rejected him and his gospel will give an account of their sins, including their persecution of Christians. Of God's elect. Those who are in Christ. Those who are God's chosen people, dearly loved. And they will have to answer for that. More broadly, if you are not trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, you most certainly will be judged and you will be condemned as a sinner. Even for your sinful words, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. The only way that the righteous judge will consider you as good at the judgment is if you have been redeemed with his precious blood and you have been clothed with his robe of righteousness. That is what good is. Dear Christian, 
as you spend the rest of your time in the flesh doing the will of God, people may speak evil of you. They may even kill you. Even so, be greatly encouraged. Be comforted. And that is because you have crossed over from death unto life, everlasting life. And you have a glorious heavenly inheritance. As for any of you who at this moment in time have no interest in doing the will of God and you are more likely to blaspheme the Lord Jesus Christ and speak evil of his redeemed. When you reach hell, it will be too late. But whilst you are alive in the world, salvation and everlasting life can be received by the chief of sinners. It's not too late whilst you are still in this world. As I said earlier, it's too late when you're in hell. But it's not too late now. For example, before becoming a Christian, as a religious Jew, the Apostle Paul wasted the church of God. He tried to destroy the church of God. The Bible records an occasion when he stood approvingly when a Christian by the name of Stephen was stoned to death. Paul stood there approving of it. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament scriptures, he made it his business to go around persecuting and wasting the church. Even so, Paul was saved by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He crossed over from judgment and everlasting damnation to being someone who, speaking about death, said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with Christ. What a transformation, what a change. Paul, most truly, was a new creature in Christ by the grace of God. May each one of you be people whom the unbelieving world thinks it's strange that you do not live in the flesh to do the evil desires of men, even to the point of them punishing you for righteousness' sake. It starts, though, with repentance towards God and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And it continues with you hearing Jesus and following him along the paths of righteousness with thanksgiving in your heart as you draw on the grace of God to do his will and for his glory. Amen.